Hello, everybody, and welcome to the May 6, 2021 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I'm your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, I have to talk about some very important news. You see, the Republican Party is considering removing Liz Cheney from the third in command of the House Republicans. Like they talked about doing last month, or was it been two months ago now? A while ago now, and they held a vote on it, and they decided not to. But apparently we're doing this again because the America First wing must be capitulated to. It, it doesn't matter how many times they lose. We have to keep pretending they have a point and continuously listening to them. You're not allowed to scream shut up at people anymore. You're just not. You are not allowed to tell people to shut up anymore like you used to be able to. Senator Bernie Sanders, the Democrat from Vermont, got in trouble when he tweeted the following regarding the Liz Cheney controversy. Quote, Representative Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming, will likely be voted off the House Republican leadership. Her crime? Acknowledging the reality that Trump lost the election. The Republican Party is no longer a conservative party. It is an anti-democratic cult pushing the big lie and conspiracy theories. And by the way, of course, Liz Cheney is a member of another anti-democratic cult. Her daddy was only vice president because the Republican Party had turned into an anti-democratic party. Then, for eight years, you were told you were unpatriotic and you hated America and wanted the terrorists to win if you didn't support him because it was a cult and they pushed nonsense conspiracy theories like Saddam Hussein being involved with 9-11 and, for that matter, that he had WMDs and was going to use them against the U.S. Don't want a smoking gun that's a mushroom cloud. Now, if you want to argue that against Sanders' statement, that is perfectly fine. I just made that criticism, so you can tell I agree with it. But the common rhetoric was that he just shouldn't defend Liz Cheney, because Liz Cheney is a warmongering, neoconservative piece of human garbage. And she is all of those things. I want to be very clear. I hate Liz Cheney. I hate her the 93% of the time she voted with Donald Trump, and I hated her the 7% of the time she did not. Because any time Donald Trump took even a mildly okay position, which he very rarely did, Liz Cheney would be there with Lindsey Graham to go and talk about how this is actually how the terrorists win or some bullshit. Liz Cheney is a nonsense peddler. I want to make that clear. And I would completely support her being removed from the House Republican leadership. However, and this is the big however many people on Twitter don't seem to be understanding, that does not mean that you can simply oust someone for any reason you want. Now, to be fair, some Republicans in the America First crowd are making the point that Liz Cheney is a warmongerer. Which she is, and which, again, if she were ousted for that reason, I'd be in agreement with. The issue at hand, however, is that's not the main reason the Republican Party is considering getting rid of her. They're considering getting rid of her because she didn't back Donald Trump's nonsense claims about election fraud. That's it. If that is why you are trying to get rid of somebody, you are wrong. 
it doesn't matter who we're talking about. Sorry, that's just how I feel. It's good to tell the truth and be correct, and it is bad to repeat a lie. Therefore, Liz Cheney, in this one very narrow context, is the slightly lesser evil than the entirety of the Congressional Republicans who wish to replace her. That's the other thing a lot of people don't seem to understand. Even atrocious people can have good opinions on certain issues. It was the Nazi government that gave us the world's first anti-smoking campaign, and the Ku Klux Klan were highly important in getting women's suffrage passed. Does that mean that... These are also bad because awful people were involved in making sure they happened? No, of course not. I tend to take an issue-by-issue issue approach. Now, don't get me wrong, I then make judgments on the person based on where they stand on most of those issues. Again, I do not think Liz Cheney is a good person. I think she is a horrible person. However, if the Republican Party wishes to oust her, essentially because she decided that there was one lie she was not willing to tell about them, or in favor of them, I should say, then no, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like this is fine because of my pre-existing hatred of her. The fact is, ousting Liz Cheney and destroying the entire concept of objective reality is worse than having her remain third in command of the House Republican Party for a few more years and not destroying the concept of objective reality. Because this is what this is really about. It's about this bizarre idea that you can use political motivation to determine what is and isn't objectively true. That has been what the Republican Party has been doing for years now, and the fact that so few people have caught on to it is evidence that it might actually be working. So, essentially, fuck Liz Cheney, make no mistake, but also, if you're going to oust her, Make sure you actually oust her for the right reasons, like the fact that she's a warmonger who votes with Donald Trump 93% of the time, as opposed to the fact that she didn't push your nonsense 7% of the time. I think that's a very fair agreement. Anyway, now it's time for dumbest thing I've ever heard. The bronze to whoever runs Meet the Press's Twitter account for tweeting out this headline in reaction to Ron DeSantis' new voter suppression bill that he just signed the law in Florida. New GOP Governor Ron DeSantis signs restrictive new voting law that Dems fear will suppress turnout. To quote Jesse Taylor on Twitter, Man in hockey mask wields knife that campers feel could be used to kill them. This is the liberal media, by the way. The runner-up, David Frum, who even made hating Tucker Carlson less enjoyable. I didn't know if you could do that. A few days ago, he tweeted out to Carlson, this is regarding the fact that Carlson did contradict himself on the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, 
We'll get to that in a minute, by the way. To Carlson, it's all just sounds and images on a box. To be spoken, then forgotten. Say one thing today, the opposite tomorrow. Urge a war on national television, then disavow it afterwards, as if it had nothing to do with you. It's cynical, but above all, it's cowardly. Hey, uh... First off, Tucker Carlson has opposed the war in Iraq since at least 2004. And even when it was building up, he wasn't a particularly large neoconservative. He was the host of a CNN show almost nobody watched and wore a bow tie. That was Tucker Carlson when Iraq was starting. You, on the other hand, worked as a George W. Bush speechwriter and coined the term Axis of Evil all wall declaring anyone who was in the Republican Party and against the Iraq War to be an unpatriotic conservative. Oh, and by the way, David Frum also decided that, despite writing several speeches advocating for it, doing multiple media appearances advocating for it, and writing an entire book on how great Iraq was going to be because of George W. Bush, decided in about 2007-2008 that actually it was a silly position of his. But don't worry, it doesn't completely disprove everything he has to say afterwards, because he really wasn't that big of an advocate anyway. I mean, he only wrote speeches. Oh, and by the way, to back up his claim that Carlson supported the invasion of Iraq, he linked a Media Matters article about the old Bubba the Love Sponge clips. Here's what Carlson said in Iraq in those clips. Quote, Iraq is a crappy place filled with a bunch of, you know, semi-literate primitive monkeys. That's why it wasn't worth invading. Now, David, I'd call that quote two things. One, horribly racist. And two, against the war in Iraq. Uh, you gotta give him that. But the winner is Matthew Walter, who wrote an article for the American Conservative with the headline, The Conservative Case for Teen Pregnancy. And yes, the article is exactly what it sounds like it would be. People like this exist on the planet Earth. From the article, it should go without saying that the success sequence, as it is actually practiced in the United States, is possible only because of artificial contraception. Oh no. It is not love of chastity that leads the vast majority of Americans who attain it to delay parenthood, as the literature puts it, but the apparent successful attempts of pharmaceutical corporations to reduce the marital act to a sterile parody. Do you know what sterile means, side note? Whatever virtues the average middle-class American couple exhibits by delaying, they are not natural ones. Oh, not natural, the old famous argument. And far as I'm concerned, anyone who upholds nature above all else should just go live in the woods. That's a very natural thing to do. Oh, also, here's the greatest part. They are really showing us their disordered understanding of prudence, which has become a synonym for convenience. 
Whose convenience? Certainly not that of the children who will never be born because the self-appointed defenders of traditional virtue in what some of them still refer to quality as the markets or the public square have spent the last three decades concerned with emptying out the welfare rolls and some of them are quite open about this keeping cr the crime statistics low. So, a, a few things. First off, there's the obvious nature equals good, which... Eh, the guy's a Catholic, so I expect him to believe that utter nonsense, but just worth pointing out that yes, it is still utter nonsense. Second off, there are tons of children who will never be born. Then there are always going to be. One ejaculation has multiple millions of sperm. Only one of them is going to be born. Okay, every menstrual cycle a woman has, that's a potential egg that's not going to turn into a child. And by the way, I should also ask, should we not be concerned with keeping crime statistics low? Do you want a higher amount of crime in the U.S.? I'm seriously curious. Oh, also, the entire concept of this article is disgusting, and you should be... I believe the politically correct term is cancelled. Matthew Walter, you've said the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, our last story tonight, I just want to make one thing clear, okay? I am not addicted to debunking the bullshit Tucker Carlson says. I could quit any time I want. I just don't want to quit because it's actually very fun. Yes, Tucker Carlson said even more ridiculous bullshit. The man just loves topping himself, it seems like. On last night's show, with the transcript provided by the Fox News website, he asked how many Americans have died after taking the COVID vaccine. Which, for the record, is a very interesting question. Considering they paused the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, wrongly in my opinion, after seven Americans, all of which were women and all of which had history of, in some way, messing with their hormones, got blood clots, I'd say, it's not impossible, some have, but it's not a very likely situation. So, let's see how Tucker uh, answers this very nuanced and serious question. How many Americans have died after taking the COVID vaccine? Not Americans who have been killed by the virus. That's a huge number that you apparently don't know. But how many Americans have died after getting vaccines designed to prevent the virus? Do you know... B by the way, it's not prevent the virus so much as it is to prevent a dramatic response from your body because of the virus, but little, little nitpick, I'll admit that. Do you know the answer to that question? Well, no, but I'm not the one asking it in the first place, nor am I the one with a cable news show, now am I? Do you know anything about the downsides? Uh, yes, actually. In fact, I've encouraged people in high-risk categories and with autoimmune disorders to not be the first ones who get vaccinated, specifically because it could have downsides. Oh, and by the way, by the way, which group of people were saying that it had to be the most vulnerable first, despite the fact that idea is utter nonsense? Oh yeah, the Republicans! We know a lot of people, a lot about the upsides of the vaccine. Um... I, I guess, yeah. We've been completely in favor of vulnerable people taking the vaccine. You see what I mean, people? 
But what about the potential risks? The potential risks most likely to be suffered by the vulnerable people you just fucking said to take the vaccine, you absolute imbecile. You'd think you would know more about that than you do. We talk about vaccines constantly, not just on this show, but in this country. Joe Biden was on TV yesterday talking about vaccines. He wants you to get one. Everyone in authority wants you to get one. In fact, you've probably already had your shot. I, I actually have. I had my first one. I'm getting my second one in about two weeks. And good for you. Thank you. If you haven't had your shot, you're under enormous pressure to get your shot. You understand that soon you may not be able to fly on a commercial airplane or go to work at the office or send your children to school if you don't have the shot. Actually, you can't send your children to school if they don't have a variety of shots. And as I pointed out, even Florida requires controversial vaccines like the MMR vaccine and vaccines for much rarer illnesses like hepatitis A and B, which, by the way, are also less contagious. Hey, remember when it was a giant controversy when there were like 130 cases of measles in California in 2015? Good times. Meanwhile, the social pressure is enormous. Friends may have already informed you that you're not welcome at their party or weddings if you haven't been vaccinated. There is a lot of pressure to comply. At some point, you probably will comply. It's just too difficult not to not be vaccinated in this country. Yes, people who aren't vaccinated are the most oppressed minorities, damn it! But before you make the appointment, do you know anything about the potential risks? Oh, yeah, it can have several bad responses. We know the Johnson & Johnson one can have blood clots. We know that there's just a result of an extreme reaction when taking anything under the sun, no matter what. Mind you, that chance is incredibly small, but there have been, like, what, 30 children who have died from the MMR vaccine over the years? It's a widely distributed product, and when it's so widely distributed, eventually somebody's going to fall under the 0.0000001%, and we're going to die from it. Sorry, that's just how probability works. Probably you don't know much. We all assume that the risks are negligible. Vaccines aren't dangerous. That's not a guess. We know that pretty conclusively from the official numbers. Every flu season, we give influenza shots to more than 160 million Americans. Every year, a relatively small number of them seem to die after getting those shots. To be precise, in 2019, that number was 203 people. The year before, it was 119. In 2017, a total of 85 people died from the flu shot. Noticing more and more people are dying from the flu shot each year, by the way. Shouldn't we be talking about that sometime? No, okay, okay, we won't. Every death is tragic, but big picture, we don't consider those numbers disqualifying. We keep giving flu shots, and very few people complain about it. So the question is, how do those numbers compare to the death rate from the coronavirus vaccine now being distributed across the country? We checked today, here's the answer, which comes from the same set of government numbers that we just listed. Between late December 2020 and last month, a total of 3,362 people apparently died after getting the COVID vaccine in the United States. That's an average of 30 people every day. Okay, that does sound a little bit on the high side.
From Statistica.com, as of January 20th, 2021, an average of around 1,133 people per day have died from COVID-19 in the U.S. By the way, I thought that wasn't a big deal because it's only 2% of the population. And a little bit of another, by the way, 2% of the U.S. population is roughly the population of Indiana. Meanwhile, what is that? A not even 5% the amount? Oh, no! By the way, that reporting period ended on April 23rd. We don't have the numbers past that. We're not quite up to date. But we can assume that another 360 people have died in the 12 days since. Hey, anyone remember when Dr. Phil went on Fox News and said that 360,000 people dying isn't that big of a deal because that's the amount of people who die in swimming pools every year? And by the way, that's also wrong. The amount of people who die every year from drowning is 4,000, not 360,000. But Carlson is taking, what would that be, 0.1% of that as evidence that they are dangerous? Okay, okay. Anyway, Carlson goes into some really long rant about the CDC that I bluntly don't care about. I want to end, though, with these two paragraphs that I think really show you what kind of man Carlson is. Researchers at Oxford and UCLA have begun tracking coronavirus vaccine side effects across eight separate countries. They found that, quote, women aged 18 to 34 years old had higher rates of deep fame thrombosis than men of the same age. Um, yeah, the COVID vaccine side effects do happen to be disproportionately affecting women. I won't deny that. Um, by the way, how much of a higher rate are we talking exactly? You notice how he leaves that out? He always does this. He talks about a higher rate. Well, how high? How much higher? 1%? 10%? A quadrillion percent? 0.001%? Any of these are technically higher, Tucker. How much are we talking here? They also found that heart attacks were, quote, common in people aged 85 or older who had taken the vaccine. Uh, heart attacks are already common in people aged 85 or older, for the record. They found serious potential side effects in some children. Quote, anaphyxis and appendicitis were more common in young people. Again, neither of those are particularly common as it is, though. This is the same issue with the deep vein thrombosis example. How much more common are we talking? Are we talking one quadrillionth of a percent more common? Or are we talking a quadrillion percent more common? Or more likely, somewhere in between those two measures. But you won't actually give us the exact numbers. To Tucker Carlson, if you somehow hear this, if you actually want to give the exact numbers out on your show, fine, I can fact-check them, and you know what, if you're right, I'll say so. But you won't do that, because if you did, we'd more than likely find out that this is utter nonsense. By the way, just quick little thing. This is still utter nonsense. Vaccines are complicated medicines, and as with any drug, it can take a long time to get it precisely right. 
the dosage, for example. And this is not the first time people have been hurt during a vaccine campaign. That is bound to happen. What's different this time, and it's so striking, is the reaction to these numbers. Here's a contrast for you. In 1976, the U.S. government vaccinated 45 million people with a vaccine for swine flu. Uh, oh, good. Uh, I was worried they vaccinated them with something else. 53 people reported died after getting that shot. The U.S. government immediately halted the vaccine program. Authorities decided it was too risky. It wasn't worth it. So they halted it. It took roughly, what would that be, eight, nine times the amount of deaths the Johnson & Johnson vaccine might have caused? Again, that was paused after seven people got blood clots. Didn't die, got blood clots. And what Carlson leaves out, might I add, is the reason why they paused it was because that was more people than swine flu had killed at that point. Anyway, that's all for tonight. I am Ephraim, and good night.